Today we come to another brief epistle, the epistle of Jude. Jude, who was the the brother of James and the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. This is another really short letter in our New Testament, though as we said regarding the letters of John, this is not a reason to pass by quickly without giving it serious thought. There are some things in this letter that are very difficult to understand. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to try to answer every curiosity in this in this letter because I don't, I don't feel equipped to, to be honest with you. But taken on the whole, there are some very encouraging and helpful themes to be found here. So let's take a, a look at some of those overall themes of the letter. Um, it's unclear to whom Jude originally sent this letter, designating it only generally to to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. That's verse 1. It's certainly possible that Jude wrote this letter to be circulated among several churches. Regardless, he begins the letter with a stern admonition in verse 3 to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. There are a couple of things that I'd like to draw your attention to about this admonition. First, Jude refers to the faith. Contend earnestly for the faith. The Christian faith is not evolving. It's not changing. We don't uh, carry around Bibles in three-ring binders ready to add pages or take them away at any time. Thomas Jefferson famously produced the, the Jefferson Bible in which he published the four Gospels with all the supernatural events, including the resurrection and mentions and mentions of supernatural events, uh, as well as passages indicating the deity of Jesus Christ, he had all those passages removed and just published whatever was left over. Why did he remove all those supernatural passages? Because he did not believe that supernatural events occurred in the natural world, and so he removed all references to them and cut and pasted the remaining passages together. But this is not how the faith was once for all delivered to the saints. This is not how truth operates. It does not wait on our permission or our comprehension to be true. The truth to us becomes a, a matter of pride or humility. Do we stand in judgment over it and deny it, or do we submit to it in humble and in humble faith uh, believe it, even if we don't understand uh, every, every nuance of it? In the Bible, we have everything that God determined we need to know for salvation and life and godliness, and absolutely nothing is left out that is good for us to know. So Jude recognizes that the faith is a definite and complete thing that doesn't change. It was once for all delivered to us. Second, though, Jude says upon recognizing that fact, we must now contend earnestly for it. In other words, we must work hard to know what we believe and why we believe it so that we can defend the faith against all threats. It is when we fail to do this that things creep in unnoticed, as he says in verse 4, into the church and cause harm, untold harm, to the church. Jesus promised that the gates of hell would not ultimately prevail against his church, but that, that most definitely implies that the very gates of hell will do its best to attack and damage the church. Unless we contend earnestly for the faith, all manner of ungodly things will come into the church completely unnoticed, and it might begin in ourselves if we're not watchful over ourselves. Well, let's think about something else from this brief letter. Among the ungodly things that Jude said had crept into the church, he mentions ungodly people who had come into the church and most likely made some type of profession of faith, but who in reality, according to verse 4, deny our only Master and Lord 
Jesus Christ. Later in the letter, Jude calls them the ungodly, who commit deeds of ungodliness and live in an ungodly way, ungodly sinners who care only for following their own ungodly passions. That's verses 15 and 18. Clearly his favorite adjective to describe these people is ungodly. But there's another distinctive characteristic about them revealed in the letter. They reject authority, verse 8. It is no coincidence that in verse 4, Jude specifically says they deny our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Master and Lord are titles that carry with them authority. And Jude says these unbelievers in the church, among other things, reject authority. The mark of genuine faith is a willing recognition of Jesus' rightful lordship and a grateful submission to it. Well, finally, from this brief letter uh, from Jude, let's think about perseverance and preservation, which is something we also see a lot in Hebrews. As we come to the end of the letter, there's a very interesting juxtaposition of statements. In verse 21, Jude tells believers to keep yourselves in the love of God. That's what we call perseverance in the faith. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Just as we're told to contend earnestly for the faith, we are also told to give ourselves wholeheartedly to walking in obedience to our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And in that way, you keep yourself in the love of God. But thankfully... God has not left us to our own strength and our own wills to do that. In the same breath that Christians are commanded to keep yourselves in the love of God, verse 21, Jude also comforts us with the reminder that God himself, in verse 24, is able to keep you from stumbling and will in the end present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. That is what we call the preservation of God. God preserves us and upholds us in the faith so that we, in turn, persevere in the faith until the end. The preservation of God upholds and enables the perseverance of the saints. And those are just a few thoughts from this brief letter from Jude.